Welcome to Creatives Grab Coffee, hosted by Kirill Lazaroff and Dario Nuri. CGC is a show where we invite business professionals to discuss industry topics and share experiences. Dara, if you want to kick us off. Yeah, how was your weekend? It was good. It was um, nice. I finished like two, we had like two shoots last week and it was just, it's been really busy since like the summer, honestly. And that was kind of like the last of it. And so I just kind of enjoyed myself and now I was taking a BC today. Yeah, it seems like October is like where everyone's, if we did get work, October was the month where all the production was kind of happening and now everybody's kind of shifting into post work, especially since the first snowfall was yesterday, I believe. So mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of hectic, eh? Yeah, that's true. Um, I was also juggling a lot of posts this month, which I, I thought like October would be like a breather. And then, uh, yeah, a bunch of stuff was in post and I was like, oh, this is just as stressful in a lot of ways. I forgot posts was like this. <laughs> I had like, three videos in post and I was managing all of them. It was just like too much. Were they music videos? Yeah, we've been doing a lot of music videos. Um, all of the post-production stuff was music videos. And then the one shoot last week was like a small commercial, fun digital thing, just like product shots. Um, so that was cool. That was different. Uh, but yeah, a lot of music videos. And who are you doing it for? Who? Yeah, like the artist. Um, the artist, yeah. So we just did two music videos in October for Savannah Ray. Um, she's really talented, really good music. I'm excited about that one. Um, we did one that just came out a few days ago for Mono Whales. They're like an indie rock band from Toronto It's called All or Nothing. And it's directed by my friend Evie Stamatov. And the Savannah Ray music videos are directed by a really talented director and friend, Alicia K. Harris. And we represent her at Route 11. Um, And then before that, it was just like a bunch of other stuff. Some stuff again with Alicia for coffee. Um, We did like a coffee video for her song Pressure and then a remix video for Coffee Again with Buju. Um, I don't know if you ever heard of him. He's like really famous in dance hall, which like I myself am not familiar with, but he's a really big deal in Jamaica. So we shot, we had like a another crew in Jamaica do that. Um, yeah. And then actually later in the summer, I had a really good shoot with this independent artist called Tara Jam. And I'll plug her just because she's so nice. She was so nice and like warm and like so flexible to work with. And I was so scared because it's kind of just us and the artist. And I was like, oh, this could really go anyway when it's like just you and the artist. But she was great. And the video was like stunning. And we did that with uh, Keisha Chung, who's like a really young up and coming director who I, I met through doing like these Zoom, um, these Zoom check-ins for like black and, like woman identifying uh, people of color 
Um, and I met her. And then like when Tara phoned us or contacted us, uh, it seemed like a good fit. So that's kind of been everything I've been busy with to answer that very longly. So, <laughs> so uh, because you do, you, you tend to focus a lot on music videos, right? Is that like your, your niche? Yeah, that's just like what we have. That's just what we have been coming in now. And with coronavirus, we're just kind of like taking it as it comes. Um, I don't know if it's a long term thing for us necessarily, but it's what we've been busy with. So that's what we've been doing. Oh, so it's a fairly new kind of uh, project type that has been kind of coming through Route 11, right? Music videos, you mean? Yeah, because you said like you haven't done as many before, but uh, until recently, now you've kind of been doing a bit more of them? No, we've always done a lot of music videos, and it's okay. kind of been our bread and butter. Um, it's just always kind of been the plan to like move on to more commercial stuff after that. Okay. Uh, and that, and we have done that, but uh, yeah, like I said, just um especially now we're just like okay this is what's coming in let's do it because you know it's weird time has it has it been affect has the music video scene been affected at all by covid or because it doesn't seem like it would be right no a lot of music videos are non-union and you just have to do your best as a producer to make everyone safe um without putting any of my clients on blast, I kind of wish there was more lax timelines and more resources allocated to keeping people safer. But to be honest, I found during coronavirus, the standards that clients expect is like, it maybe went down for like a month. And then they were like, okay, back on it. We need content because we're like, because we like can't shoot like this big thing or like, I don't know, there's just like, the standard at which they expect didn't really change much which is like kind of disappointing it's like we are in a global pandemic if we could just get like an extra week with post-production because their editor can't like edit in person and they're like sorry our deadline is just really locked in it's like what <laughs> so i don't know i wish it was a little more lax it would make a lot more sense but just the reality of things can't really change much i think i think a lot of people have been just trying to um you know as you mentioned, like, like we haven't been making any content for months and then all of a sudden all those months of planning that some companies might have been doing, I've decided, okay, you know, we need to roll out everything ASAP because we have marketing plans uh, that, you know, are set in stone and you guys got to make that happen. How do you, um, how do you typically manage, you know, like uh, uh, very strict deadlines like that? How do you try to communicate with the client? I think the first thing I've learned is that you should just ask for an extension and you should do it early and the first thing once they send you the post-production thing you should be like this is very tight we would like more time and then what you'll discover is if they have hard deadlines you'll discover them you'll discover why um and if they don't they don't but i always tell people like what i've learned especially recently is if you need more time or more money ask like you know, we have this taboo of like, well, then they're going to think I'm irresponsible. No, they'll think you're irresponsible when you run out of time and then you ask for an extension. <laughs> but if you are like, you're doing your job to manage the project, right? And if you are like, as a producer like me, you look at the post-production deadline and you're like, this is insane. Uh, <laughs> you know, can we have more time? Which is something I just had to do, you know? And um, yeah, it's good to like go to bat for people as a producer, like, 
to be like, okay, if I was an editor, I would think this is insane. And like, I could see that they would have to work weekends. Like I wouldn't want that. So, you know, you just like kind of put your neck out. Um, yeah, that's how I would deal with it is ask. Mm-hmm. So as a producer, what would you say are like the best qualities that you should have or some of the top qualities? Best qualities for a producer. Or you can't live without. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to think of something that's like more interesting than like being organized <laughs> and time <laughs> management, which is like kind of given. Um, I think it depends. Like there's all kinds of people who are producers and um, there's no set way of going about it. Um, I think you have to have really good communication skills. I think that you should have like some level of emotional intelligence because um, a lot of the time producers um, are dealing with, yes, like time and budget and those kind of things that seem like a emotional, but those things are tied to people. Like, you know, if you're asking for more budget, you're asking for more strain from like a person in the marketing department. So like that's a person to person um thing that you're asking you know you're not just asking the spreadsheet for more money (laughs) although i sometimes do that um (laughs) uh yeah some people skills and like i think you also have to have some of that like dad energy and that's like no matter your gender just like the no this is uh gotta put my foot down you know this is the way it's gotta be and i'm sorry i gotta play the card you know i've had to do that where it's like I want to give you this, but I can't. And so we're not doing it. <laughs> a lot of that <laughs> to keep things on budget. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you have to really manage the creative side of things with the business end of things, right? And yeah, like what you said earlier was was correct. You do need to have like, I'd say like a really strong level of emotional intelligence because yeah. you're dealing with the client on one side and then you're dealing with the creative uh, team on the other side and you need to be able to communicate between both camps and then try to find like a happy middle ground for everyone involved and at the same time you also got to let them know that hey i'm batting for you so if i'll try to get what you want but i'm also dealing with this other stuff so yeah it's really interesting you're juggling like many hats you hit the nail on the head really like at a very high level um i sometimes feel like a double agent or something because i have to (laughs) communicate from the from the client to like everybody else but then the director will have like ideas. And so I have to kind of be like, do we have budget for that? And kind of have those negotiations. But then sometimes too, directors will like doubt themselves and be like, I don't have this idea. So like, uh, I'll sometimes be like, well, what about this? I'll have like my own ideas kind of like calibrating in my head, like what the client wants and what the budget is like, uh, what about this? And they'll be like, that's great. And I'm like, okay, great. So it's just kind of like spinning plates, like keeping things aligned. For sure. But um, as I said, there are like those hard decisions that are like really important to keeping like the client happy and like things on budget, which like it sounds really boring, but you kind of need to do those things at the end of the day. Like it's hard when you realize this the hard way with some projects. And I've had that happen where you're just like, well, that's what the client wants. And so send like you're like <laughs> and the director's like what but my name's on and it's like yeah i'm sorry they're paying for it i don't know what to tell you <laughs> um and i hate it when that happens but if it does happen you know be, i don't know 
yeah has, has that ever like damaged the relationship between you and a director where you had to put your foot down and say look i know like your creative vision is this and that but like at the end of the day like this isn't for you the like, client is paying all our bills yeah. <laughs> well this is where the communication and like i think emotional intelligence comes in there's a way of having those conversations where people understand that the like the spot that you're in and some people will do it in a way where they make it really personal for the director or whoever it is they have to communicate with and then that's a burnt bridge but it doesn't have to be that way if you're if you're keeping in contact with the director and letting them know like where you stand and where the client stands then when that hard decision comes they'll be able to like trace it back and understand um and sorry i have a way of like talking about things at a very high level because it's like i don't want to get specific because it's like of course yeah, yeah, yeah. Project, you could leave it generic. Like, no. what that could mean yeah yeah you know but um yeah so that's why i said like those things are important because there's a way of having those conversations where a director is feeling isn't feeling betrayed but yeah. you know there's a reason why i think i've heard like you know producers and directors like they they clash because one's creative and the other's like oh, money um but it i think if you're falling into that dynamic of like us first them in in any relationship and creative like you're really getting into hot water yeah and yeah. i think it's definitely trickier it, it's it, it's more applicable in, in with you with the music videos because at least with us we do corporate work and yeah at the end of the day like you could be creative, but at the end of the day, it's a corporate video and you're not creating something very artistic. So like if you do have to an extent, to an extent, but if yeah. you have like a music video and you have yeah. a director on that, like it's, it's way more of a creative outlet. So you could, yeah. see, and there's people that like build their whole portfolio and career around that. So you do have more, uh, you, you'll run into more of those issues when you're trying to juggle the budget with the creative, right? So it's, I think it's definitely a lot trickier on your end. One thing I kind of wanted to steer the conversation into is that you manage a team of directors, kind of like a roster. Uh, I've always been curious about when a project comes through your doors, how do you typically go about selecting the right person for that job? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, a lot of the times when a project does come our way, in all the number of ways it does, um, there'll be a director already in mind by the client um a lot of the times we've been having a lot of good luck of you know our directors are real go-getters so they will sometimes bring stuff to us like i was talking to this client or this artist and you're you're my production company of choice um so like i want to go in this together and to be transparent like we ha are pretty open with our roster like if they want to collaborate with other producers depending on their contract, they're more or less open to do so. Um, so yeah, it'll come in those ways, but sometimes we do have to kind of select a director that fits. Sometimes that's obvious, like if it's like a food client, food and drink client, or even tabletop, like we have Tracy Cox, who's really um, talented and fun to work with. I just did a shoot with her last week. Um, can I say the client? I don't even know, but it's a fun uh, alcohol brand. Uh, and um, other times we'll be like, okay, what's a good good fit here? Or sometimes people will be like, I really like this video. And it's like, okay, well, let's see if that director's available. So essentially you have a roster of directors, but they act more like a roster of uh, freelance collaborators that you've worked with 
on many projects. Yeah, and that's just because we're flexible with like the industry. I think um, keeping them in a box would just limit uh, their work. And um, to be honest, our team isn't like doesn't have the flex enough to like be bringing in enough work to keep everyone like busy all the time. Uh -huh. That's just that's just not a reality. If someone out there knows how to do that, please let me know. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just uh, flexible. So how did you get to the point where, like, how did you approach them with that proposal to say, like, hey, I want you on my roster? Like, did you, was it just like, hey, can you want to be on my roster and that's it? Or, or did you offer something else in return? Like, what? Yeah, um, honestly, this is kind of, again, where I'll go back to, like, being a people person and, like, communicating because, a lot of the times it's not like a business proposition where we're like cold emailing people and, and doing that. Although if that's your style, like go for it. There's lots of sales training that I have tried to learn and have wanted to give myself a lobotomy over. But, um, uh, <laughs> but um, it's been a number of ways. Like Max, who's on our roster, is like a longtime collaborator and partner at Route 11. He helped start the company, so he's like on there because like he's been there since the beginning. Mm -hmm. Tracy Cox actually emailed us because she really liked our branding, and then Ryan, who used to be with our company, kind of started the relationship there, and so she actually called, emailed us. She's a real go-getter. That's why I love her. Um, who else? Like, I'm trying to think. Stephen Dunn is still on there, and he. Uh, Again, I think that was like through Ryan or just like reaching out to him because we had like a cool project he would be a good fit for. So uh, it's just kind of like a number of ways, like kind of a networking sort of thing, I, I suppose. And Alicia now, like who's on there is because um, I think we got, did we get the, oh my God, like why don't even I remember? Well, we know Alicia from through Ryerson, which is a lot of Route 11 people have done the Ryerson film program. I haven't. Um, so we, we always knew her. And then I think a specific project we pitched for Julie Black, which didn't pan out. But we were like, we really need like a black female director. That would be cool. Like, oh, we know Alicia. And then that started that relationship. Um, and then we've just been giving her pitches ever since until finally like coffee and Savannah all came through and so she's felt really supported by us because we were always like feeding her treatments even if they weren't like greenlit um which has been really nice and now she's like you're my number one pick for producers like even still like a few days ago she was like I have another project you're my first pick and it's just like really gratifying to have that relationship because um yeah going through production can sometimes be stressful so sometimes as a producer I always worry like are we still good? <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a lot, these projects. Um, so it's nice when we come out the other side and it's like, let's do it again. Do you, do you find that uh, a lot of the directors you work with bring along their own production teams or are you sourcing that for them? We generally source it for them, yeah. Um, for the most part, yeah. 
But, um, you know, uh, some directors will have people that they like to work with. And I always look to the director first for filling certain roles, for sure. Mm -hmm. I was going to say, like, is there typically, like, say, for example, if a director didn't fill all those roles, like, for example, one of the, the next most important role that you need to fill after director is typically the director of photography. So how do you guys typically go about that? Do you have maybe the director let you know what kind of vision he wants and then you go and look for those uh, DOPs that you source for him or her? And uh, or do you kind of um, or, or, or do you just have the director sometimes source it themselves? Yeah, so the DOP is a really important team member with the director. I think that a DOP and a director have to kind of be like Tweedledee and Tweedledum. Like they really have to be a duo. Um, sometimes the director will have someone in mind. Oftentimes they do just because it is so important. So it's like in coming up with the idea for the video, they'll be like, and this person who I've worked with would be great for it. Other times they maybe don't know. And what I've done in the past is just really simple. I'll make like a Google Doc uh, spreadsheet between me and the director. And I say, okay, I'm going to put like four DOPs that I think would be good for this in first choice, second choice, third choice, fourth choice. And then you add your choices as well. Um, generally, what I do is if the director makes suggestions, I'll tackle those first. And then, some, or sometimes they'll be like, I like your choices. And then I go down the list. Um, and that seems to work, especially with like the commercial music video work that I do where like we don't have a lot of time. So I'll be emailing like three DOPs, three production designers, sometimes even at once to be like, what's your availability? Because everyone's so busy, mm -hmm. especially during COVID. It's been really hard to crew, harder than it's ever been in my career. Everyone's been so booked. Yeah. And it's it's been a real challenge. Um, so that uh, like practical tool has been a great use. It, it's interesting you mentioned that uh, everyone is so booked during COVID times because a, a lot of the people that we've spoken to over the last few months, they've mentioned how, you know, work has been difficult. It's been hard to find work. Whereas, you know, in your experience, a lot of the people that you've been speaking to are, are at least your go-to people are all booked constantly. I mean, I mean, that probably might say something to like the probably on how high of a level some of these productions are and you know you certainly need a certain kind of portfolio for that is yeah, that it or and i guess yeah that, that does seem a little weird especially considering how because of covid you have to use more skeleton crews so yeah. there would be like let's say there were 10 people on set now there have to be there can only like be five, five. so yeah. there's five people that are now out of work right that could have been on that job but now aren't so it's interesting to hear i i'm just as like confounded as you guys but i just know from like personal experience, like everybody's been busy. And when I like, when I talk to, when I go to pick up equipment or when I go to like talk with people and I'm like, are you really busy? They're like, they give me this look like, yes. Like they're so like, they're just like white in the face. Like I was talking with a rep at, I think it was, oh, who was it? It wasn't Vanguard. It was, a place that represents DOPs that I can't think of, and it's embarrassing I can't think of, nobody judge me. But they represent DOPs, and I was like, are you, like, is your roster busy right now? Because I'm going out of my mind. I can't find people to fill roles for projects. And she was like, I have no availability. Everybody's gone on the job. Wow. Like, yeah, because some people will call this rep, apparently, and be like, who's available? And she'll be like, no one. Like, everyone's out. 
on a job. So, and I, and I mean, I know that this is a podcast for creative, so I want to like, I want to say that I have a lot of gratitude for being busy right now. And that's not always the case for a lot of the creative industries right now. I will say it's been hard to have that gratitude because it is a pandemic one. And number two, I've been very busy and would like a break. And now I finally have one, but I've been trying to balance those two things where I'm like, people aren't working right now and you're working. So don't like bitch too much. <laughs> uh, well, you said you're really busy now. How, how does uh, this time period compare to pre-pandemic? Did you have like, were you just busy the whole year or did you have like dead zones? Oh, absolutely had dead zones yeah so this is um this is this definitely feels like it's because of covid because it, it lasted like through the summer into now so generally summer would be our busy time mm -hmm. and sometimes that would it would pick up like mid-summer and then sometimes last into september september a bit just to like finish things off you know and then, you know, I would feel like a pioneer woman. Like I'd be like, ah, oh, winter is here. Hopefully we have enough in the, <laughs> we have enough in the cellar to keep. And we would just like go into hibernation, like, <laughs> like, oh God, like, oh God, it's so cold. And then like emerge again in like May, which like sometimes literally no work. Like it's embarrassing to admit, but like sometimes literally like not even a peep or an inquiry and I'd be like oh my god and your self-worth gets so eroded too when you're a business <laughs> owner on top of it so I'm just like yeah in my cellar uh with my bonnet on until the spring um but now hopefully it'll be a bit different <laughs> okay we, that is probably we, the yeah. best analogy we've heard of what the dead the season is woman. like yeah <laughs> we've had we've had dead zone in the past too for us it's usually been from uh december till end of february like those are usually the yeah, ones where we february. would we would probably get like a couple projects here and there but not enough obviously you know how it would it definitely it stopped not... last year last year was st we started the year strong uh, yeah yeah we did we, we did should, yeah. we did start the year off strong we had a lot of stuff lined up especially but it was unfortunately all that stuff that was lined up was for after mark <laughs> all the planning was in january february i, and, I was in the same boat yeah for sure and then all of a sudden nothing <laughs> and it's like uh just when we had a really well projected year too you know and you know it's funny like before that we're like Oh, so we, we, we've been plateauing. We got to do things differently this year, right? So we're planning for that. And then we start the year off really strong. We're like, finally, we're breaking out of this plateau and everything. And then boom. <laughs> yeah. But the cool thing is that as soon as like the COVID thing, well, it started, I, don't, I, I can't say dying down. But opening up when, again. When the city started opening up, like we got super busy. It's like everyone wanted to do work again. And we, it was, it was crazy. We made like a... Uh, like almost half of what we made last year just in the last two months so it was no that's us too it's really funny because we're in the same boat i think uh we did a video for sean hook we shot it on valentine's day i remember so it's february so that was like oh god we were just on the cusp we didn't even know the paradise we were in we were we didn't even know we would be east of eden we were just so naive and then so we're shooting uh valentine's day and then it was the same thing. Then it hit and me and Peter just thought, you know, it, what can you do? Like, we can't shoot. And then right when we opened up in June is when we did the first coffee video. And it's been like eight music videos since then. <laughs> and then here I am, which is why I'm like, I'm tired.
Can, can you tell me a bit of a, what's the difference between shooting like a, a music video or a corporate video? Or would you say they're kind of like the same? Um, yeah, I've done corporate videos, which that's more what you guys do is what you're yeah. saying, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's definitely similarities. I think, I think like even though corporate videos are like less exciting, it depends on what your view of exciting is. If exciting is making money, I'm made, corporate videos might even be <laughs> very, even more very exciting. exciting. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest. Um, but, you know, there's also like cheaper corporate videos too. It depends what price point you guys target. Um, the difference is I find, I find the clients actually to be a little more like lenient for corporate videos. Like they are, I've had a lot of, maybe I've just been lucky. A lot of the corporate stuff that I've done, like the clients have been like, wow, just everything we do is just like, that's great. I didn't even know I would be getting this. Like you're like, and now we're going to color the video. <laughs> it's not, they're like, that's not it. I can't believe it. Which, um, and then in music videos, there's just more like levels of approval and like, I don't want to sound cynical, but there's like egos and there's a little bit of vanity involved. So that's like, it can get trepidatious where people want to like look a certain way and they want to be cool and they want to be on the edge. But like when you're doing like 3D printing, like orthopedics for a client, they're like, we just want to show that our product is great. And like, look at this 3D printer and we're like, we got you. It's fine. <laughs> <Yeah>. you, know? <laughs> um, you know, I don't have to bring in. Yeah all the stops for that like you can kind of cover your bases but you know it has its challenges too like i you guys were talking about like managing clients for corporate stuff too and like you can really fall into some like landmine situations where you're like oh look at this great product shot we have and they're like the wrong finish is on the like oh my goodness we can't show this because you know this yeah. is like it's pink when like we would never have a pink mold for the orthopedic thing because that's not industry standard. And you're like, Oh, I'm learning a lot about orthopedics suddenly, uh, you know, and you don't even know like the sin you've committed. So there's that too. Yeah. There's definitely a lot of things that are beyond your control when it comes to like corporate stuff. I've one thing we've learned, we've learned to just, you know, it's part of the business and if things need to be, uh, redone or like we we will all revisit that and uh, we, we and haven't that had aspect, that but we, we have not had a if I'm just I'm just saying are. if that happens you know it's it's an, it's an easier thing to manage y usually the, what happens though is that the client like because we always have the client on set with us right and I think at that point they kind of realize why we mentioned some things in the pre-production yeah like, we needed to do this that because now we're in this type of situation but they've usually always yeah. been like we've been understanding and we've been like fine they get what it is and i think at one at a certain point they just go like okay we, we need to get this and go you know? yeah it's a it's a standard uh challenge that you would typically face in in the corporate world but one thing that you mentioned that i think is a challenge that a lot of people face in the creative world and is very very difficult to manage especially if you don't want to burn bridges is managing egos and I just wanted to kind of get a sense of how you approach that, especially if you have, like, like you mentioned, some people uh, want to look a certain way. They want a very certain style or their definition of a style is very different from what the director's definition is. Like, uh, how do you manage that? Um, you know, if you really want to get like 
in detail about it. They're, as much as I said, I hate those sales trainings that I've done. They have some really great, like, if you're especially type A like me, they have some pretty great charts on managing different personality styles. So one that I have felt is helpful and I might have gaps in my remembering it is a disc profile. So if you can imagine like a four square quadrant and B are dominant, E, I is, you know what? I should just tell people to look it up. Google disc profile, D-I-S-C. Yeah. And basically like there's dominant, which is D, uh and there's like i which is interpersonal i think and basically you can kind of put people into like four different categories and it tells you how to communicate with them best um because i think when it comes to egos it's just a communication thing you know right um like dominant people don't want their time to be wasted they want to hear just the facts and they want you to do it quickly and for someone like me, who's more like emotional and more like, hey, how are you? I want to like make friends. They find me kind of annoying. because They're like, you're wasting my time or you're being fake with me. They think I'm being fake when I'm trying to be friendly. And so it's, it's like I'm not and like they're not wrong either. We just need to find a way to like mesh. So um, I don't, when it comes to egos, it's just a communication thing. Like when it comes to doing an interview for a corporate client or somebody lip syncing like a track for a music video they're not wrong to want to look their best so don't begrudge them for it just prepare for it because they're a human being and they want to look nice you know we make things look nice we're in video so you know don't like don't like get too cynical about it just like try to move with them uh in that case yeah especially in music especially in music videos where not only do you need to sound good, but you also need to look as good as you sound. Yeah, it has to complement it. And even more so, because it's like you're selling more so the person almost at times, right? Yeah. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's just like where the magic comes in, you know? Like, it's not just the stylist, it's not just the makeup person, it's not just the lighting or the direction, it's all those things together that make it look good, you know? I just had a video we were shooting on Thursday, and like, people will just ask like, who came up with the visuals? They'll just ask something like that, which I totally understand, but it's like, what do you, what does that really, what does that mean? Like the visuals, when you're looking at a monitor, it's like, well, this is all, this is all of us. Like we had, the stylist killed it. She looks amazing. The lighting is amazing. We decided on these colors, like on the fly or maybe even in the treatment. We, you know, it's like a mix of everyone. Was it the client that asked that or? It was, I think, a BTS person. Yeah, but they were with the artist team. So, yeah, they were happy. Right, right. Yeah, no, it's, it's, I, it's very interesting you mentioned about the, the four-quadrant system of personalities. I've never heard anyone mention that yes. that's how they uh, go about communicating with certain types of people. Like, typically, you know, you try to, you know, be as, be as real as you can as who you are and then, you know, like, try to make the clients happy. But that's like a very specific way to do it strategically, especially as you mentioned, like if, if one person is very dominant, just wants the facts and like n and no BS whatsoever. And then, you know, then someone else who is like a lot more like um, like a emotional. Like emotional, like a friendly, you know, like like you said, doesn't always necessarily mesh, at least at first glance. But that's a very cool approach to, to managing people. We, we do that, too, but we we. It's the quadrant system, I'm just saying. It's just yeah, interesting yeah. to see how he categorized it very yeah. simply for people to kind of uh, 
uh, take away from it, right? Yeah, we do it based on like vibes, yeah, it, which is the same same thing, right? The non scientific version of it. <laughs> yeah, his is the more scientific one. I, I haven't mastered it. It's I think it's from. Uh, I'm trying to remember the sales training that I got it from. I forget the name of it, but I haven't mastered it. It takes like really a long time to actually adapt how you communicate and talk once you realize somebody's communication style i just kind of do it a little more like on a low level baseline um yeah sometimes me and my business partner will even joke like we'll be like definitely a d definitely just wants the packs this one you know <laughs> we can just tell from an email or something um yeah but it takes a if you really want to master it it takes time because you're right we tend to just be like i'm just going to be myself and I get that it's like, it might seem kind of phony to like adapt your communication style, but it's really not. It's really making things easier for you and everyone. No, I think you you 100% need to adapt your communication oh, style. Yeah. And like, we, we try to be authentic, but some people, again, like they just, some people are more numbers based. So you kind of adapt to that. Some people are more social. So you, you just, you just be more social with them, right? Like, yeah. it's, I mean, we're social enough to begin with. So for us, yeah. it's like, yeah, yeah, whatever, right? You just think of it like if you were putting on a presentation for that person, right? So if they are like, I think an I or an S is more social. So you would definitely go into the presentation and be like, hey, how was everyone's weekend? You know, that's like starting off on a really great foot. But if you know it's like some business analyst who just wants the facts, you're just like, how much time do I have you for? Half hour? Great. And you just start the first slide. You know what I mean? It's funny. You mentioned that the first thing that popped into my head is that scene from The Office when Michael and Ryan were trying to sell this business idea. And it was a lot of, as you said, people who are just very, like, you know, simple, you know, like they're, they're doing their work. They don't want any BS. And then they're just doing the super social thing that you would see. And it's, you don't remember the scene where it's just like, how's everybody doing? Woo! <laughs> just in the office. And I remember the scene where it's uh, Janet or Jan. Jan, yeah. Jan and, and Michael. And they're trying to pitch the, the guy um, at the Wings place. And then yeah. Jan just wanted to do like the numbers thing. It's like, okay, this is what we can offer you and everything. And Michael's like, oh, okay, let's get some baby back ribs and then go yeah. from there. And he did like the whole social thing and that worked out. That's a good example of uh, being adaptable. Actually, if you want to search up disc profile and then just assign an office character to each quadrant, that's probably a great way to like memorize it. I've, I did it on people that I know in my life. So, and obviously it hasn't really worked, but because <laughs> I'm like, I forget everyone. But I just did like, oh, this person is this kind. But uh, office characters would be great. Michael would probably be more the emotional, like an eye. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Validation. Why don't you tell us a bit about the uh, sales trainings you did and I, I guess like how they helped you? Well, when I took over Route 11 a few years ago, basically I worked with my partner, Ryan and then he left to start another venture and was like now it's just going to be you and Peter and I freaked out uh, and uh, hid under my desk basically and like kind of literally actually uh, and I like, didn't think I could do it and um, the big thing that was always hard for me is is figuring out how to bring in new work which to be honest to this day like I still haven't really hacked I don't really know how anyone can like have a sales formula in film production. And I've done a lot of training to try to figure it out. Uh, that's something that I guess I'm still figuring out or have just kind of like 
let go of. But when I was doing, when I was trying to figure that out, I did a lot of sales training to try to uh, remedy that. Um, what can I say about it? I know that I hate it and I know that I don't feel good at it, <laughs> but I know that it's also necessary. <laughs> That's what I can say about it. Cause I would just be doing a lot of cold calls and cold emails because I didn't really know what else worked. Um, it's, it's really yeah. tricky in our industry. Yeah. There's no formula, uh, that you can, that you can apply and then it's going to work for every single company because it's, every company is very different. Like, uh, we mentioned before that one of our, uh, one thing we tried to do about two, three years ago was bring in a salesperson, but they had a very structured kind of templated system for selling and they tried to apply it to our business. And he's like, okay, so what packages do you offer clients? You know, God, I was going to say, it... did they say, do you have packages? Oh, yeah, they yeah, just yeah, want yeah. a widget. They just want, this is the widget. Do you want the widget? Okay. Do you want the widget? It's like, it's not like that. We had the exact same experience a few years ago. We hired a salesperson and they just have, they just have no clue. And it's, it's true. It's really frustrating being in production with that because even all of the sales software is like, just put in the estimate for how much you think this client is worth. And it's like, I have no idea. Yeah. I can't even tell you that, you know? So then it's like, all your projections are like weird because you're like giving, I don't know. It's just, it's really frustrating. Basically. Well, there's a whole new step in the sales process in our industry that I think people don't realize. Typically they would have the product, how much it costs, and then their whole job is just to simply communicate how much that costs to the client and how much they need it. There, the, the new phase in the sales process for our industry is that we have to first get in touch with the customers and figure out what their needs are. So it's a lot of like direct uh, contact that we need to have before we can even figure out what the product is, how much it would cost, you know, and like, especially if you're distributing it like uh, nationwide on a campaign, you know, like there's so many variables that go into it and you have to first figure that out. And then the selling process technically comes in. So it's, it's very tricky to, like, you need to have people who are within the industry to really understand that process well. Yeah, I think we just had one, one uh, I think our last guest actually, they, they brought on a salesperson and it's been working out well for them because that person was in the video production industry. So they, they understand the industry, but even within that, you need to find the right person because the, the guy tough. we tried, he was in, he was doing sales for wedding video production companies. Yeah. So he was trying to apply like the wedding packages template to our thing oh. it doesn't work like that because again we're not selling you can't blame them it works right for weddings it works yeah it works for weddings but for us it, it's, it's it's almost like we're not even selling like the videos we're selling more so the talent right well, in some ways that and the results it's more results of like what the content will be I don't, right i don't like, think it's results because that would be that would be that would make sense if you're a digital maybe marketing. if you're an agency yeah, yeah. If, if you're a marketing yeah. agency then you're selling the results yeah whereas we're just yeah. selling the content right yeah the but talent. that content is dependent on a lot of other things because again um our content is only good if you use it in a certain way right like i've discovered this real gap as well where where people really want us to kind of do that heavy lifting and we're not a marketing agency either so you know that's happened a lot of times where we're like well do you have a plan for implementing this content um and you know i guess if you were really smart you could develop some kind of production 
workflow or something where you're like proven results because XYZ, you know, we have the data that this kind of production gets like responses. I don't know if that's a company I want to run. So I haven't really done that. And I have never really seen a way to like shoot something to like get more responses or buys or like or whatever it is that they're after. I can I can develop a production workflow that's like more collaborative or flexible. Um, I can like be open to different like formats and doing all that kind of thing. But I found it really hard too to kind of say, oh, well, we offer videos that get results. And it's like, eh, I can't really, I'm not a Silicon Valley like data farm that can like, <laughs> that can tell you shoot it this way because studies have shown in A B testing that like people with red hair holding your product, whatever it is, like, that's just not the company I'm interested in running, first of all, and I don't even have that knowledge. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I don't. I don't think men. I don't think there's. I don't think any video production company could even say that, right? Because yeah. again, at that point, you're no longer a video production company. Yeah. You're a, a, an advertising agency or a marketing agency because you do need that extra information. But I actually wonder if like they actually use that kind of thing. Like, oh yeah, like use a redhead because then it gets like more he's views. just giving he's just yeah, yeah. Giving I, was, an example, I was actually yeah. wondering though if that's a thing like that'd be interesting i think like the top one percent like five percent actually do like they actually do do that kind of testing but it requires such resources and time that i think 99 percent of like brands are just like this looks good <laughs> let's try it out and then they're like that went well we don't know why but we'll just keep doing it until it stops working that's most marketing yeah. I went to create. I went to creative advertising. I kind of know that a lot of marketing is just. Um, I don't want to say bullshit because that's not fair, but it's like a lot of just trying things out and being like, "Well, that's stuck." Mm -hmm. So how do you how do you handle clients that come up to you and they say, "Hey, we need video content," and you tell them, "Okay, we could do that for you." Do you have a marketing budget to promote this? And they say, "No, we don't." How do you handle that type of situation? Because you know that long term, that's not going to be good for either the client or yourself because that video is yeah. not going to perform well. And if it doesn't perform well, then they're going to go like, why do I need to get, why do I need to hire you again? Because again, like I tried video and it didn't work out for me. I mean, this might be controversial, but I would definitely tell them like, okay, like we can't promise a lot of views or like whatever it is their goal is. But frankly, that is not my issue. If yeah. they still want to go forward with making the video, great. How they use it is up to them. I make it clear that I don't promise anything. Yeah. Um, but sometimes it can be really disheartening because especially when we work with like independent artists, for example, I think there is this idea that once they get a good video, it'll just kind of pop off. Yeah. Um, and I never promise that. I never promise that. But I think they see our other work and they just assume. Um, and that kind of sucks. So I think in the future, I would definitely have like a conversation where I'm like, hey, is there a plan? And like, let's talk about our expectations for this video, especially to avoid that like sour feeling perhaps towards us, because I think that has happened. Mm -hmm. But honestly, I, I don't feel too badly about it. It's not really my job to do the, the push out of the content. I just make good content. And I don't say that in a mean way. I say that as a person who like really deeply cares about their work. And I need to like make, I need to make boundaries for myself or else I'll just give everything into every little 
thing that I produce and I'll just have nothing left for myself. So I draw the line. It's definitely hard to kind of like do all that stuff at once. Like if you know you're really good in one certain aspect of the whole process, like keep fostering that and, and do it really well. Uh, but since you focus a lot on uh, just making the content itself and none of the marketing, do you t- typically uh, do mostly direct to client work or do you collaborate with a lot of different ad agencies where, you know, if a client does come to maybe say both of you or one of you, um, you will create the content and then you'll work with this agency to kind of push it out there. Do you have any of those types of relationships? So I'd say that like 10 to 15% of our work is two agencies. So not a lot. We've just kind of collaborated with a few. Then mostly, um, I guess I would call direct to client for music videos, direct to artists and direct to client for corporate stuff to the actual brand or whatever. So then like mostly uh, direct to client and then like some, well, I guess in the case of music videos, agencies would be labeled too. So like, yeah, 30% agencies and then like 70 percent director client we can say so mostly director client them reaching out to us yeah yeah i mean especially with music videos since you're dealing with a lot of independent artists uh, of different you know sizes in terms of uh out uh, audience spaces and outreach outreach yeah like it, it i guess it really you are pretty much more so in the direct to client i like working with the agencies like we just did like a shoot last week and it's been a while since i worked with like an agency to be honest, make of this what you will. We've ha- worked a lot really well with like PR agencies that are starting to make their own content. Oh, really? They really like us. A lot of the traditional like creative agencies that I actually went to school thinking I would work there because they're like very, um, they're like winning all the Cannes Lions and the marketing awards. They, for some reason, don't give us the time of day. And I just think that there's a long standing like bond between the old school production companies and those old school ad agencies. Yeah. I don't really know. I don't really know why, but the new PR agencies that are like starting to kind of eat the lunch of the traditional ad agencies really like working with us. So we just worked with one of them last week and it was this cute little fun, quick job. Um, and it, I remembered how nice it was to work with someone like that. Cause we had the storyboards. We knew exactly what the text was going to be. They were like, here's the, when we were editing it today, like here's the font, here's the copy. I'm like, Oh, everything is all, figured out i forgot that's how this is supposed to go some companies the reason they may not uh uh, give content creators the time of day is because they've worked with certain people for decades and you know obviously think of it like uh, like the directors you work with right you know how they work you're very comfortable you know they will do a good job it's sometimes going to be a risk if you bring in someone new that you haven't worked with before a test and especially on these big ad agencies when you're talking about millions of dollars in marketing dollars they go into it, you know, they're gonna obviously go a lot of the time with people they've worked with before, right? Yeah, and um, I mean, that's definitely part of it. It's also like these people are really busy and they're really stressed and it takes a lot of their time and effort to kind of consider it a new option. And I was kind of thinking of that when I was so busy and people would reach out to me for stuff. Like, think about it. When you're really busy and someone emails you with a new thing, like, what's your response? Like, you're just like, uh, get, get out of the way. Like you're, cause you're like, uh, you know, so that's like them all the time. It's a busy yeah. industry. So I have like sympathy in that respect. Um, yeah, 
I don't know. And, and that's kind of it. Have they asked you, like, let me guess, did they ask you to like do like case study videos for them or anything like that? Case study videos. Case study videos. Oh no, that's just that when I was first barking up the tree of like big agencies, they were like, yeah, we'll try you out. We'll try you out. Can you, would you be interested in doing like case study videos for us? And it was basically like these videos that they would use to submit to awards. Um, huh, I've never heard of this. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I was kind of insulted because it's like, what do you get out of that? You don't get anything. All they want is somebody to like work on a video that they submit to an award. So it'll be like if they did like a Burger King ad, like you would edit together like the success of it and like what they did and, you know, all like the motion graphics and everything okay. for it. And we were just like, no, we want to do the actual commercials. <laughs> and they were like, bye. <laughs> Wait, would they pay you for that? Or is it? No, it's free. Like, to get your foot in the door. Wow. That's, yeah, no, no wonder, you, no wonder you were like, no, like, I don't want to do this. Like, free yeah, work for nothing. If, if anyone's listening to in the same boat, like, I kind of thought early on doing stuff like that would be a foot in the door for sure, doing, throwing a favor. And in my experience, something I've learned is if people don't pay you the first time, they won't want to pay the second, the third, the fourth. They just won't. Yeah. We did like this. We did like this fun. Uh, I want to say I want. I'll keep it general. We did this fun video for like this agency, and also they were like a digital. I don't know. Like they did websites and also like VR, like very technological kind of production company, but like in the tech side and like agency side of things. And we thought it would be kind of like this beginning of this new relationship. And I worked really hard in this video, even went into their office, like edit it at their offices internally to like push it out in time. And the only time we heard back from them again is when they had to do that same video again the next year. So it's just like, oh, you do, really don't consider me until it's convenient. And it's like, you, I'm not saying this in, in a way to be mad. Like, yeah. that's what I learned a lot in the sales training, to be honest. It's just like, that's the way people are. That's the way people are groomed to behave in their jobs. Like, they're just trying to get the job done. So, yeah, no, no one appreciates anything that's free, right? Yeah. It, it's, about it. You're just, you're obviously, you're just managing, you're just telling people that they should manage their expectations when, you know, an opportunity, well, not an, exactly an opportunity, but when a, a gig, or should we say, comes up like that, where it's, you know, where you, they want you to kind of do something for free, you know, you got to take it with a grain of salt. It's like, don't expect that you're going to have a whole lot of work after that. Because as you said, if you do it free, they're not going to pay you the second or third time, as you mentioned. But with a business, like they, they should have money. If they don't have money, then what the hell are they doing? Yeah. Yeah, you'd think that. <laughs> I, I mean, I get like gigs, like if you're gigs can lead to opportunities. Like if you're working on a short film and everyone's pitching in their time, sure. Like you make connections and it might lead to something. Yeah. If you're working with a business, like if you as a business, you can't afford what you're hiring. Then, I mean, you got issues, uh, but you did talk about, sorry, you did talk about PR agencies. So yeah. that's interesting because we've, we know about like ad agencies, marketing agencies, but PR agencies entering the field with more video content is interesting, right? Cause they normally don't do that. Right. No, so what I've seen in the past, it's happening, been happening for a few years now, is PR agencies just taking on more of the responsibility of ad agencies. So it's not even necessarily like a PR video of like an event or something like, because our company wouldn't really do something like that. But it's literally like, I think for them, it's because they're already managing the 
client and have the relationship going with them. And so if your client's like, well, we also kind of want to do this push, like, can you manage that too? You know, then the PR agency is just like, well, we're leaving money on the table. That's kind of what's happened, right? Right. So because they're already managing their like holiday push out event thing, I don't know, I'm not really in PR, but (laughs) then they're like, well, they also want like sponsored posts. So like, why don't we just do that too? Because we're all doing the holiday thing for the, so that's kind of how it's evolved. I wonder if kind of our relationship is better with them because they have like more of like a tenacity. I don't know. They're they're willing to collab with. Yeah, I wonder what the, like if they're gonna start evolving their services. I wonder what the difference is gonna be between like if you're a marketing agency versus if you're a PR agency because if everyone's evolving yeah. uh, what they're offering, like even us, like we're long term, we want to kind of convert into like a media production agency, but also kind of digital marketing, right? So. It seems like everything's getting like mixed together, right? Maybe like long term, there's just gonna be like one thing that's around, right? Yeah. <laughs> and it's gonna be like a mix of marketing, PR, and video or photo as well, right? Well, that's something that's been happening for a long time too, and um, maybe they're too big to fail. But I've been waiting for the bigger agencies to really take a beating, and I think some of them definitely have with the closing of some of them. Um, but I've seen PR agencies yeah, become more ad agencies. I've seen PR agencies start representing influencers because right. they work with them so much. Um, definitely video production companies doing more digital marketing for sure. Um, yeah, it's interesting to see. It's interesting to see these big ad agencies especially try to like re-silo their departments and kind of like make new product offerings when it's like you're just kind of combining departments, dude. Like what do you mean it's a new they're like introducing and they'll kind of like make this like Helvetica font, like a, oh, a new team. It's a new, it's a new team within our, within our agency and it's internal production that's like fast and we shoot, shoot vertical and like, look at it. And it's like this whiz bang edit reel. And it's like, oh gosh, you know, I don't know. I guess sometimes it works. I kind of see through it a little bit, you know, as a little guy. in terms of production but it's interesting to watch for those agencies that are trying to make a big show of it it's like yeah we got a vast production team you know working around the clock for you our client and it's like one guy exactly it's just one guy just sitting in the corner on a laptop editing he's he's an unpaid intern too he's an unpaid (laughs) intern yeah yeah it's like so who shoots susan who edits susan you're like susan yeah it's the it's the it's it's funny. It's funny is what it is. <laughs> we, so we all got to get a Susan and then make a big deal of it, right? <laughs> Killed me with the Helvetica. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so, that was on point. so on point. <laughs> you know who I'm talking about. I am we all know that font. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, I mean, do your thing, I guess, if you want. <laughs> you know? Sure. So... Sam, what are like some of the maybe short term goals that you have, you know, like especially now with how the industry is so pre- uh, unpredictable, uh, even more so now than before? Like, what are some things that you maybe have like in the works or you want to kind of, you know, dive into like going forward or the type of projects you want to work on? Yeah, um, great question. So I think really short term right now, unfortunately, what I, kind of unfortunately I'm just trying to ride this wave right now. Like, like I said, I'm really busy and I'm just like, thank you. Like, that's a good thing. Even though I'm stressed, it's the pandemic and it's been really uncertain for businesses, including ours. 
Um, and so we, but we've been really thankful for this work. So I'm going to do that first of all. Uh, and then uh, long term with Route 11, we've been working on trying to produce our first feature. Um, and that's, yeah, that's kind of been in the works. And that's, uh, I know we didn't really talk about this a lot, but that's always been our long term goal is to pivot away from commercial music videos and start producing more long term and narrative stuff. What's the film about? I don't know if I can actually say, but it's a sci fi feature film with, um, I don't know if I can talk about it, but it's a director that we have known for a while and he came to us and was like, I really trust you guys to kind of help. And we sort of have been helping him with the script and now it's kind of in the later development stages and we're like looking at funding and all that kind of stuff. Um, so that's been interesting because I have never produced a feature before. So I'm learning a lot. I'm just taking it as a learning opportunity. And then this might seem like way out there because again, we didn't really touch it on this, but like on top of being a producer, I'm also a comedian. Uh, and uh, also during this pandemic, stand-up comedy has like stopped, which has been very depressing as well too, which is part of why I'm like throwing myself into work. It's like, what else am I doing? Um, but I want to be like writing and creating my own TV show or my own content along those lines. So it might even be a situation where I take a break from Route 11 and start like writing or like trying to get into a writing room for a TV show or something like that. Um, and I just have to plan for that myself too. And I've honestly been waiting for this break and work to kind of reevaluate what I want my like goals to be in the next couple of years. Um, and I'm thankful that I have like a business partner who wants me to just like explore other avenues, even if that means kind of like drifting away from whatever Route 11 is. But yeah, so those are like, that's like short term goal and then like midterm will be the feature. And then like the big picture is, um, yeah, writing more and doing, producing more comedic stuff. Cause that's really what I want to do. I, th I think your, your, your comedy kind of shown uh, showed shown a bit through, uh, through this uh that's so embarrassing do not tell me i've been funny because i've also just like talked about like disc profile personalities so <laughs> please nobody take this as a sampling of my actual comedic talent uh <laughs> thank you is there anything you want to plug or like yeah. uh, any, any any like where can people find you guys yeah, so uh, Root 11 is my production company. You can find us at root11.com, R-O-U-T-E-E-L-E-V-E-N.com. And then on Instagram, I think we're R-O-U-T-E underscore E-L-E-V-E-N. I know it's a terrible name. No one knows if it's root or route or if it's like 11, the number, or spelled out. I, listen, okay, I've heard it all. Also, a chip company took the domain with the 11. So this is what we're left with. So... <laughs> Uh, and, um, yeah, you can check our website for our latest work, uh, on our main page. Cool. And, and your, and your comedy website is what? Sorry. Oh, uh, my Instagram <laughs> is at Sam is laughing. Uh, I'm trying to get better at posting more like comedic content on there. So yeah, you can check that out too, but I, I'm very busy. I'm doing my best. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all good.
Thank you so much for taking the time to join us on the Creators Grab Coffee Show. You know, it's it, I, I love the discussion, and you really shared a lot of interesting insights into that in your particular world of the industry. So, thank you. We appreciate thank you. it. Thanks. Bye. Thank you for tuning into the Creatives Grab Coffee Podcast. You can find us on Spotify, YouTube, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Let us know if there are any topics you would like for us to cover in future episodes. You can reach out to us at creativesgrabcoffee at gmail.com. Mm-hmm.